You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the show. Big show hour number three. Matty Rose, Patty Dumas along with you. Live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement tea. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Final hour, Adam Stanley is going to join us. Coming up at 8.30, talk a little bit of golf. We also have Gran Turismo prize pack to give away. Yes. We have some tickets to the film. Some tickets you can redeem to see the film, plus mm-hmm. some popcorn and some drinks and all that jazz. Uh, we'll be giving that away just before we wrap up the show around 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Orlando think... Bloom's in this movie. Really? Yes. And David Harbour as when well. When was the last time that Orlando Bloom was in a film? I don't know. David Harbour, he's in it. Well, he's in a lot of stuff. He's in a lot of things. Doing, doing good work. Doing good work. Um, Hey, did you guys hear like a really weird noise? Um, It would have been on Thursday evening. Like it was just kind of echoing around downtown. Did anybody else hear that? No. No? I think it was, it might have been our next guest yelling from his balcony, oh, free Trey Ford, as maybe. halftime hit between the Elks and the Blue Bombers. He was free. Um, yes, he was free. <laughs> Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation joins us now. Hi, JD. What's going on, buddy? The hashtag works. Social media is a thing that can be used for positive things. Really, I, I'm. You're gonna have to show more evidence on that for me to be convinced. But the step in the right direction, I guess. Uh, we're gonna get to Trey Ford and the Elks in a little bit. But we got to start with the Calgary Stampeders, mm-hmm. who suffered a tough loss at the hands of the Lions out in BC. I think that we knew that BC was going to be geared up for this game after they took it in the teeth to Winnipeg the week before. But what did you make of the return for Vernon Adams Jr. and and just how the Stampeders were able to kind of try to handle that game. Man, Vernon Adams Jr. looked really good, and you're mm-hmm. right. The rest of the Lions wanted to prove that that 50-burger was a fluke or a blip on the radar. Now they've done it for one week. We'll see how it goes the rest of the season. But I think the Lions have shown that it's the Bombers and the Lions at the top of the West Division right now battling for that number one seed to go into the playoffs. And I think Calgary's pretty far behind, honestly, guys. I think there's some issues with this team. There's a lot of talent there. So it's been surprising to me that they haven't come together. We've seen some of these late-season runs, that minute heater that Dave Dickinson talked about a couple of years ago that he wanted to see his team go on. And they've done that, and they made the playoffs for you know a bunch of years in a row. But it's just not a great vibe around the stamps right now, fellas. What is the biggest issue for the team right now, do you think? Oof, I honestly think there's a lot of talent there, and it's not – always playing up to that level, but I think Jake Mayer has to be more consistent, and I think he needs to find his way as a leader a little bit here. It's still early with him being QB1. That's a much different thing, right? It's easy to sit behind Bo Levi Mitchell, who commanded respect in that locker room for like over a decade, right? Mm -hmm. So he knew how to get things done as a leader, how to challenge the players in that room, and I'm not saying Mayer has to do it Bo Levi Mitchell's way, but I think there needs to be some development there in leadership. And I really don't like saying that because I think it's kind of something that is hard to measure unless you're in the building behind the scenes with the team on a day-to-day basis. But I want to see more energy around that team with Mayor being the face of that franchise right now. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of what a lot of Stampeders fans look to. It's it's the offense and kind of the inability to not really move the ball, but put the ball in the end zone. Like, Rene Paradis will go out there and hit you a field goal from 53 yards every time that he needs to, but at the same time, if you're not scoring touchdowns, your defense can only do so much. And yes, and again, that game against BC, the defense didn't have a great start. They had a good second half, but by then it was too little too late for the way this offense works for the Stampeders. Did you see it the same? Exactly, man. We're seeing it exactly the same. I think the offense has to be better in terms of you know, scoring those touchdowns when they're down there in the red zone. They have weapons too, right? So I think some of that comes down to just one thing here or there on a certain play, right? No lineman misses a block and Jake Mayer potentially has pressure in his face or Mayer's not exactly on target or there's a receiver that runs the wrong route or perhaps they you know, call a run play into a perfectly timed or scheme defense on the other side of it, but at some point you need to execute. You're going to have an idea that when you get down there in the red zone, you're going to face man coverage in the passing game. So I want to see Mayer come through in more of these situations and put the ball into some favorable matches because, yeah, they got to come away with more touchdowns. That's obvious, but I'm sure that's something they're working on behind the scenes. Now, Jake Mayer, he's a guy, like, he's shown flashes of uh, 450 yards, can pop off, can be that all you know like all things passer but then he can also break it down and be like a very accurate type guy and then you see performances like you get on Sunday it's a like you mentioned it's a lot of inconsistencies with Jake Mayer and obviously in his first year as a starter what kind of quarterback do you think Jake Mayer is is he is he in between all of that like where is this guy going for because I mean obviously you know in Calgary here it's been it's been a list of like consistent consistently good quarterback play and not to say all of this is on Jake but this is very anti-Calgary quarterback, is what I guess I'm trying to say. It really is not even good quarterback play. We're talking about like great to elite quarterback yeah. play over the years. You know, from what I can remember going through the years, obviously Doug Flutie with the team, Jeff Garcia, oh man, like Hank. <laughs> Henry <laughs> Burris, and then to Bo Levi Mitchell. So that list is amazing. And I think it's yet to be determined what Jake Mayer actually is because he's just starting out as a starter. I think we've got to kind of remember that. I thought he was actually more consistent when we saw him coming in in those spots where Bolivar Mitchell 100%. was injured in other years. So I think he needs to show that consistency as QB1. But again, it's different, right? When you're spot starting, let's say, mm-hmm. you're not the guy, defenses maybe aren't preparing for you exactly the same way or they haven't seen a lot of you. So when they see you week to week, they start to notice little tendencies, right? Where you're eyes go, how you react to a blitz, how you react to potentially pressure coming and moving things around and disguising coverages in the back end. So I think Jake Maris still has to show us who he is. I think he has the ability to be a really good quarterback in this league, but he's also shown us at times that he hasn't been so good. I think at sometimes he's been below starter level. Mm-hmm. And I think probably even Dave Dickinson would agree with it because he's fairly harsh on quarterbacks because he was a great one himself. So mm-hmm. I think we still need to see Merrick show us exactly what he is. I feel like the modern CFL quarterback needs to be more mobile. And we're seeing that like Dustin Crum had a good week and Caleb Evans had a good week for Cody Fajardo. And I just don't know if Jake Mayer has that in him. I think that he has the ability to, but have you seen that and do you think that it is as important as I'm making it out to be? I don't necessarily think it's as important, but I was a mobile quarterback as a Canadian University quarterback, so I think there is some credence to that. 
I think Mayer can move a little bit better than Bolivar Mitchell. That's not saying much, but Mitchell does have two Grey Cup titles on his resume, two MLPs, so I don't necessarily think you have to be mobile. I mean, you guys have had Mitchell on the show for years, right? Talking about, mm-hmm. joking about his rushing yards and stuff. So I don't think it's absolutely critical, but I think it's something that can certainly help you in certain instances. But you don't want to rely on it. I think Dustin Crum has relied on it too much here. Early as it started with the Red Bucks, he had a great performance there against Toronto as a passer, which was some much-needed development for him. Vernon Adams Jr. has settled in as a guy that can beat you from the pocket, but when things break down or he absolutely needs to, he can be dynamic with his feet. And, of course, my board, Trey Ford, is the fastest quarterback in the league and still developing as a passer. But I think it's a trait that can help your offense, especially in the red zone when you get that man coverage. If there's one assignment missed by the defensive front, the quarterback can scamper into the end zone so easily. And I think Merrick can do that, but he's obviously not super fast. Honestly, I thought we would see Merrick come into this season and look a little different in terms of his body composition. I'm not out here body shaming him, but I thought he would have came down into camp, maybe looked a little slimmer, a little more spry. Mm. So it kind of went maybe the other way than I expected, but perhaps that's something he's going to work on in the offseason because Bolivar Mitchell had talked about that for years, that he wanted to slim down down and perhaps not play so heavy to have that extra weight on to absorb the shots, but be able to get away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that the Stampeders changed going into this season, Dave Dickinson took on the general manager role, and I believe that it's Mark Mueller, the quarterback's coach, who is calling the plays this season for the offense. Uh, do you see them going back to kind of how it used to be with Dave Dickinson basically having everything on the offense under his control? I don't necessarily think that that's the issue. I think it's more yeah. execution, but I'm sure all things are being looked at behind the scenes because the offense just isn't producing to the level that Dickinson, Bueller, or anybody in the organization would expect. Obviously, John Huffangle being at the top of it, former quarterback himself. So I think that would be something that they might discuss, but I think Mueller is a young, rising coach in this league. He has a lot of respect mm-hmm. around Canada and the CFL for what he's done in his career. A lot of people view him as a future, you know, offensive coordinator in name and potential head coach candidate with the way he's approaching his career. So I think my inkling would be that you would want to stick with a guy like that and give him a chance to work through it with a young quarterback who's just starting his career as a QB one. Yeah, and, and this is a guy who's been around the organization for a little while too, so there's some familiarity there. You just kind of got to let him actually have an opportunity to do this thing. The other part of this, too, is how difficult would that be to change on what's going to be a relatively short week for him? They played Saturday, they play again Friday. Like, obviously, you'd like to do that in a bye, but the Stampeders are, like, at least a month away from their next one. Exactly. It's something that I don't think you want to do on a short week, but they can probably transition it pretty easily because Dickinson had done it for so long. Justin Dunk joining us here on The Big Show. Uh, I'm Matty Rose. He's Patty Dumont. Justin, uh, which Dickinson brother is uh, panicking more right now? Is it Craig? Is it Dave? As Saskatchewan is now facing Jake Dolagala, it seems now as their quarterback. We'll see what Mason Fine's status is, but not good in Saskatchewan. That's two straight years now where the offense is just not working out. And now, obviously, Calgary's got a little bit more of a lean with leniency, obviously, with their run of past successes. But like, which which Dickinson brother's feeling it more right now? Dude, it has to be Craig Dickinson oh, yeah. because he doesn't have a contract until yeah. after the season, right? Dave Dickinson is under contract mm-hmm. for multiple years after this year. So I think it's certainly Craig. I think there's a reason for concern in Calgary, but the Riders would be a much different looking team if Trevor Harris was healthy. Now, if nuts, ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all be happy at Christmas. But 
I think that it just doesn't seem like the Riders have that jump with Craig Dickinson like they did in his first year, perhaps even his second. Mm-hmm. Now, if Harris is with the team, I think it's a completely different story because they look pretty good to start the year. So we'll never really know that because you know I think it's a long shot that Harris gets back on the field this season. And it's unfortunate if you're Craig Dickinson and the Rough Riders because Mason Fine looked like he was coming along pretty good. So hopefully he's not going to miss too long or perhaps he comes back earlier than the Riders are projecting. But I think we could see a different joke, Jake Dolagala if he has the entire week with the number one reps because guys get about 75 to 80% of the reps if you're the starter mm-hmm. in the week of preparation. Uh, what would you make of uh, Nathan Rourke uh, and his crazy, crazy play he made against the Dallas Cowboys? The entire put the entire NFL on notice. I know they played that touchdown at at BC Place in front of, for the Lions fans there on Saturday. But Nathan Rourke, man, what a start, dude! That thing went viral. Patrick Mahomes was out here tweeting yeah. about it, being nasty. Tyreek Hill was even paying him his respect, and it's funny how just one play sometimes can change. The perception or put somebody on the map and I think that's what Nathan Rourke did with that throw it was just unbelievable it shows so many unique traits about his game like his toughness in the pocket his ability to see the field and keep his eyes down there looking at his targets and putting the ball in the money while he's spinning away from a couple guys and then being dragged to the ground like that's an unbelievable play and that will stand out to not only the Jaguars but the 31 other teams in the league mm-hmm. and as much as I know you guys don't love social media, I think in this instance, it helps him be seen. It helps oh, yeah. him get mm-hmm. noticed. It mm-hmm. helps him have name recognition. And general managers in the NFL can't ignore that, right? There aren't any other guys out there, I don't care if it's a preseason or regular season, that can make a play like that. Well, just, Rourke has shown that ability. Yeah, just to like set himself back up like he was going to throw it like with the feet planted in the ground with a guy draped on him. Like, geez, that's like <laughs> the lower body strength is amazing. It's just insane, man. I thought he acquitted himself very well. It's a big stage, right? He's oh, yeah. going to Jerry's World down there in yeah. Dallas playing the Cowboys who are America's team. Yes, it's not a regular season game, but still, for your NFL preseason debut to look as sharp as he looked and as comfortable as he looked and as locked in as he looked, mm-hmm. this guy shows me that he is ready to be a quarterback in the NFL. Wanted to ask you about Trey Ford, the Canadian for the Elks. He had a really good showing. They ended up losing the game because their defense couldn't really make a stop in the second half there, and the offense also struggled after having a pretty good first half. But you got to like what you saw, hey? Oh, my goodness. Definitely, man. I don't know how it took these guys eight losses. Like That's what I'd like to ask Chris Jones. What took this so long to start? I have a theory. I have a theory. It's the guaranteed contract for Taylor Cornelius. Partially guaranteed. I, I think that's probably part of it, but I mean, you could have moved away from it, and it's difficult, and sometimes general managers don't admit their mm. mistakes, and that hurts the coach, but in this case, it's the same guy with Chris Jones, obviously. So I definitely think that's part of it, but like, it was so obvious with Cornelius, and they started Jared Daggy yeah. in like week two. So how did you not at least run Trey Ford out there once to say, hey, maybe this guy's better, we'll just eat the money, who cares, only a few hundred thousand dollars, if you really want to pay those, I think it's just like a luxury tax, right? For the first hundred thousand, mm-hmm. no big deal. If it's going to help you win, I think that they're probably going to have to go with him for the rest of the way. Do you think that they get a win before Labor Day? I think they have Ottawa yeah, and Hamilton before that. Yeah, they got Hamilton this week on Thursday, and that's where Trey Ford got a win last year in his debut as a starter. And I think the Tiger Cats are primed for a picking here, a new offense coordinator there in Hamilton, and 
Scott Milanovic. I think that's going to take some getting used to. So I think we could see the Elks win this week, but that's not a home win to finally end this streak. I think it's yeah. possible with Trey Ford at the controls, but uh, I think it's going to happen soon. We had uh, someone text in, I wonder who who wins first at Commonwealth, the Edmonton Oilers or the Edmonton Elks, because there's the Heritage Classic at the end of October, and we got a good chuckle out of it, but at the same time, you're like, oh man, I. it's weird, because even I find myself watching the games, and I'm like, I kind of want Edmonton to win, and as a staunch Calgarian, I find it a very hard emotional place to be in, Justin. Yeah, I feel you, man. It's just, you want the streak to end, because it just looks so bad on the organization, and I don't know if it looks bad on the CFL, but like it's just not a good look at all. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week, my friend. I hope you had a great weekend, and uh, we'll chat soon, hey? Enjoy the CFL for the rest of the way. Yeah, my man. You know how it is. If you guys are ever out in Toronto, look me up. Yeah, we will. Try and find you. Big celebrity, Justin Dunk. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks, JD. Join us down in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, 15-time Consumer Choice Award, a winner at 6060. Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Bombers this week. Mm-hmm. At home. Yeah. Zach Caleros, health up in the air. And that's probably something we should also ask JD about, but that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we can, we'll can. we see what well, how the, the the Bombers go out with their practice today. Uh, whether or Stamps not, are taking today off. They're going to go off. a short week of practice. They're just going to yep. go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with the Bombers. But I don't know, man. Like I, I kind of said it on Saturday's show, uh, the Stamps Hour, with uh, if, if Claros has to miss anything more than a month, I start to get a little bit worried mm-hmm. with Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, as good as Drew Brown was in his but, uh, like, first... But even if you're worried about Winnipeg, what does that mean? Like they finished second, yeah. That's how, because that's, like that's how it's just I worried like that where where Winnipeg would fall down. It was, it was great to watch mm-hmm. Calgary beat the Argos and felt really good about it and mm-hmm. like hey this team maybe has an identity mm-hmm. and then they go out and they laid an egg in BC mm-hmm. and it's like okay this team is so inconsistent it's hard to believe in them you know the Rough Riders are the exact same but right now it feels like there's a race for the first place yep. between BC and Winnipeg yep. and there's a race for third place between Saskatchewan and. Calgary, even if they're both trying to limp in there with mm-hmm. one leg or something like that, there's and a good chance like that, that third team in the West is going to be under 500. 100. And uh, yeah, like because I like I don't think like it feels like I'm more a crossover won't be a part of this thing because I think Ottawa and Montreal are good enough to be a third place team, and if Hamilton can figure things out, I think they they could be. But I think it might be Hamilton is probably the worst team in the East right now as it is. And then Montreal and I just don't think Hamilton has enough on offense. No, they don't. Like they 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 just don't. But like it was a lot asking Bo Levi Mitchell to come over there and and do a lot because of how he's played the last couple of years with injuries and whatnot. It, it was a lot to ask for him and to pay him a lot of money to do that. Tim White has been a ghost. Um, Duke Williams is Duke Williams, but he's more of a high target, high reception, yeah. not necessarily stretch the field, kind of like a Reggie Bagleton or a Trey Odoms Duke yeah. type of guy. Yeah, underneath, crossing yeah. routes. Yeah, and when Bo's in, that's a, that's great. Yeah. That's a prime matchup, a prime partnership. Yeah. But at the same time, with Bo being out for the with that fractured leg, because... Stupid. <sighs> should have never happened. Fireable offense. Which... I, and Steinhauer's I, getting I really to the like point. Orlando, but. He's getting to the point where... Is his like they 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 brought in Scott Milanovic, yeah, who's been a head coach in the CFL, who who's probably going to be the next head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, if this thing gets a little gets more messy. So, 
You take your cup, your team to the Grey Cup like multiple years, and what do you get? One bad year. See ya. Gotta win the damn oh, thing. I guess. <laughs> I like Orlando. I think he's great. Um, we'll take a break. That's the CFL story around the corner. Uh, Adam Stanley's going to join us. And we're still taking your texts. Uh, we gave away a incredible prize pack. We got another incredible prize pack. It's the Gran Turismo prize pack. It's not worth $3,000. But it is a couple passes to the upcoming film. Mm-hmm. Uh, another video game uh, adaptation. Yep. Yeah, right? exactly. like, well, or is Gran Turismo an uh, well, adaptation of something else? Well, the thing is, it's Gran Turismo. It is based off a of true story. So Gran Turismo did have a contest, I guess, back in the day where they did try and find a driver to go out and race a real thing. So that's what this movie is centered around is a gamer who's obsessed with Gran Turismo gets caught up and brought oh. into, a, into a racing series where he's got to actually drive the car now, oh. not through the... Uh, Oh, so that's Electron. the plot of this. It's film. not a video game okay. movie. It's a real racing movie. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We got a pretty good cast for this thing as mm-hmm. well. Plus, we're giving you popcorn and drink passes as well. What we're asking you today on the text line at 960-960 is uh, your where were you mm-hmm. sports moment. We were talking about Jose Bautista, level of excellence, the bat flip, and where we were for all of that. We're getting some from you guys. There's been a couple of other great ones that have mm-hmm. come in since we gave away the Shot Shirty Classic prize pack. So we'll get to a couple of those after we chat with Adam Stanley and give away the Gran Turismo prize pack as well. But Adam Stanley's talking some golf with us next. Ladies Tour, uh, Champions Tour. um, FedEx Cup Playoffs. FedEx Cup Playoffs. You name it. We're all over it. Like a dirty shirt. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back to the show. Final segment today. Big show with Matty Rose and Patty Dumas. We got another giveaway coming up before we say goodbye. We're asking you your where were you sports moment. We've had some good ones just come in lately. For me, Blue Jays, you know, with Jose Bautista going on the level of excellence. Talked about the bat flip. Where I was in some dumpy bar that had a better screen and setup than I had at home. Yeah, that's why they bring in the customers. Yes, sir. They got a good TV. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Drinking cheap beers and cheap burgers, whole nine yards. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we already gave away one prize pack. We're giving away the Gran Turismo prize pack. A couple tickets mm-hmm. to go see the film uh, with uh, some popcorn and some drinks as well. Uh, I think the better half and I might head to the theater tomorrow. Oh, what you seeing? I don't know. She wants to see Oppenheimer. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little lukewarm. I'm going to wait till that's out sounds, on home. I got to watch that. It home. sounds like it's very long. Yeah, it's going to be long and dry. For three three hours. Yeah, and I don't know if that's. I don't know if I can do it. Like it's a good film, but that's like a, that's one I want to watch at home in yeah. like the winter when it's cold and I don't want to go outside. And listen, I love my dumb nerdy stuff, but I also need a little bit of a a pulse, Action. a little bit of a beat, yeah. to the film. And if it's three hours, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. But alas, we are giving away some tickets to Gran Turismo, which someone texted in said they saw it on the weekend. Great movie as well. Good, awesome. Uh, but right now, we go down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk a little bit of golf with our pal, Adam Stanley. Hi, Adam. How's it going, man? It's uh, it's going pretty good. I have a pretty good where was I story for the bat. Oh, perfect. want to start with that. Let's go. <laughs> so I was actually on a golf trip to Northern Ireland in mm-hmm. that fall, and it, I was with six other Canadians, seven other Canadians, and we got the bartender at the hotel that we were staying at to turn on somehow, some way he found 
the baseball game on <laughs> the Northern Irish cable. And the television was probably, oh man, 24 inches. Oh, yeah. like it was really, really small, but we found the game and we watched it and it was midnight. Maybe it was almost midnight. Cause the game was in the afternoon. It was almost midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won, obviously. The bat flip happened, obviously, and we celebrated with a round of hot whiskey, hot whiskeys, uh, like hot toddies sort yeah. of thing. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget it. It was fabulous. Some hot toddies and a little nightcap, and then went and played around. Yeah. Like that's a pretty tidy little weekend. That was pretty. That was pretty much it. It was. Uh, it was good. It was one of those. Definitely one of those moments. Uh, it was really, really cool to be kind of there and with people, and and just like such a different kind of scene than you know just in your in your own house or whatever it is. So there you go. Some of my favorite reactions that we've gotten to this question in particular have been people who are on vacation and have had to beg a bartender to yeah, pull out a second or third TV <laughs> and find a a stream or something like that, but they got it done, and that's what is yeah. most important. Um, <laughs> hey, there was a lot of golf on the go this weekend. Uh, Champions Tour, we had a Canadian win. We had uh, the final major of the ladies' tour, and the FedEx Cup playoffs are underway with five Canadians in the fold. Uh, what, what? How did you take it all in? <laughs> it was it was a lot. The the good news is that like I've been basically like all gas, no breaks since like March first yep. the players championship. But the light is at the end of the tunnel. We got we got the Shaw, the charity classic this week, uh doing some stuff from home for that. Out to Vancouver next week for uh C P K C women's open and then after that I'm gonna take uh, a little time off, which should be a lot of fun. But um I think we gotta start with Stephen Ames. I mean a guy with guy won four times on the champions tour this year. Um, and did you see the way that he finished? I think it was like four birdies and an Eagle in his final five holes, uh, to win the Boeing classic fourth win of the season. Like I said, um, comes to Canada this week, obviously to play the Shaw. Mike, Weir will be there too. I think all the top names are going to be there, but, um, yeah, Stephen Ames, a lot of, a lot of work with a new coach this, this year. Um, and four wins, on the Champions Tour circuit this season, dip your cap because that was that was pretty darn good. And of course, local ties there as well. It's great to see. Um, this is something that I think just a lot of people are excited about with Stephen coming to the Shaw Charity Classic. Like a lot of people, I don't think necessarily understand the Champions Tour. It doesn't have the same allure as the normal tour, but it's also getting to the point where there's a lot of the players who are kind of in that. Tiger Woods era where golf was popular. A lot of the reason was because of Tiger, but a lot of the guys that he faced off against the majors and now they're on the champions tour. And this is something that you kind of got to see if you're a golf fan. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the fascinating part of this era of guys on the champions tour, like Tiger Woods himself is what 47, maybe turns 48 this year. Like this guy's almost 50 years old himself. So if you look up and down the, the leaderboards week in and week out on the champions tour. And if you were kind of a casual sports fan, maybe a little bit older in the, in the early two thousands, like Steve Stricker, David Toms, Ernie Els, Patty Harrington, hmm. um, you know, VJ Singh, Darren Clark, like these are the guys, Retief Goosen. These are the guys who are now playing the champions tour with some, with some regularity. And we think, Oh my gosh, Stephen Ames, he's won four times on the, on the champions tour this year. He must be, you know, head and shoulders above <laughs> the rest on, on the season long standings or whatever, but no, he's not. Steve Stricker has won five times yes. on PGA tour champions this year. So yeah, I mean, you look at the, you look at the guys who are competing. Um, they don't want to stop competing. Obviously it's a, 
you know, the, the most golden of golden parachutes for guys who managed to have a, a pretty nice PGA tour career, they automatically get to play, you know, on the champions tour and, and try to win for, you know, $300,000 every single week. So uh, it's not, uh, not too shabby for them, but, but you're right, you know, beyond what, what Shaw and, and Rogers is doing for, for charity, I think it's like millions and millions of dollars. Oh, that, that tournament's yeah. won like the tournament of the year on the champions tour four or five times out of the last six or seven years. Um, you know, the fields, in that event are just going to get better and better as, as this kind of group of notables turns 50 and, and decides they, they want to keep doing it. Like we interviewed Stuart sink on Friday. This is a guy who's still playing in masters yeah. tournaments. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's 50 and he's going to, he's uh, he's playing on the, on the tour with, with some regularity now. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yes. It's uh, cool to see. We're looking forward to the shot charity classic here down at Canyon Meadows coming up on the weekend. Uh, let's go to the PGA. Yeah, over the weekend, yeah. we saw, unfortunately, Mackenzie Hughes fall out of the top 50. What were your big takeaways from this tournament? Like, were you just watching the Canadians to see if they're able to move on to the next weekend? Were you caught up in Lucas Glover's outstanding weekend, which moved him from 49th to 3rd in the FedEx Cup standings? What do you keep an eye on for the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, I think for me, there's there's kind of two two layers to it. I mean, obviously, if we get more than... I think if we get more than two Canadians into the tour championship, so which is obviously the, the season finale, that'll be the most ever. And, and kind of just a nice uh, cherry on top of the greatest Canadian PGA tour season, you know, in, in history, if we manage to get more than two you know, right now, uh, trending, I think we've got Nick Taylor and we've got Corey Connors inside the top 30 and Adam Hadwin and Adam Svensson are just outside the top 30. So, you know, those guys obviously keeping a big eye on them uh, this week at the BMW championship. And then Hughes, I mean, only 28 points, 28 points separated him from, you know, getting into that top 50 and getting a spot in the field this year. Uh, I think there was more eyes on the bubble because of what the top 50 gets in 2024. Uh, You get automatically into all those signature events, all the events with a $20 million purse uh, next year, if you finished in the top 50. So yeah, 28 points that that's all that uh, Mackenzie Hughes fell short by. Unfortunately, golf is one of those things where you kind of bring it, bring it on yourself, both the successes and, and the struggles. Um, you know, Hughes had a, had a really rough summer uh, missed, I think it was seven of 11 cuts at, at one point through the, uh, through the summer months, including uh, PGA Memorial and the Canadian open all in a row, which um you know, which is just not going to be the thing that you need to do at the time in which you need to do it. So, yeah, obviously had an eye on the on the fellows, um, the Canadian guys last week, and, and certainly into this week as we get uh, down to the wire into the last event. But you know, Lucas Glover is just one of those stories that kind of transcends transcends kind of the the hardcore golf people, and and all of a sudden you think about the layers to that. Uh, in his 40s, he's won more times than he did when he was in his 20s, even though of course. He won the U.S. Open back in 2009. But talk about the Ryder Cup. I mean, this is a guy who's like, there's a reason why the Ryder Cup organizers have decided to make their picks, you know, at the end of the playoffs because they want to pick the hot hand. And do you leave, you know, Tony Finau or Justin Thomas or someone like that off the team in order to pick someone like Lucas Glover, who didn't even play in any of the majors (laughs) this year, but is on a heater of all heaters? Uh, to make sure that you have the hot hand uh, at the Ryder Cup. I, I don't know what you do, but uh, certainly something to to keep in mind over the next couple of weeks. 
Has any have you ever seen somebody summer like Lucas Glover? I don't think there's anybody <laughs> maybe playing better golf on the planet. Like he top six in five of the last six tournaments. He's won the last two PGA events. He's fourth now in the FedEx Cup standings. And and yeah, like in yesterday in the press conference when they asked, like, have you thought about the Ryder Cup? And he's like, Well, I didn't think about it until about fifteen minutes ago. Like, have yeah. you ever have you ever seen like somebody summer outside of like obviously the obvious is like Tiger and Phil and all the uh, the elites, but somebody like Lucas Glover who's just taken over here and playing some of the best golf of his career. Yeah. And I think the, the bigger point on that is that I've never seen it come from someone who is like, not that notable. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you, you see um, like Patrick Cantlay lost in the playoff. He's going into the BMW this week to try to win that tournament for the third time in a row. Uh, you know, Rory uh, won the last two, um, he was in the mix, I think. You know, Rory's won two in a row. John Rahm obviously won two tournaments in a row at the beginning of the season and then finished tied for seventh in, in, in the event that he tried to win uh, third in a row. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we've seen it. But we haven't seen it from guys like Lucas Glover, yeah. who was ranked, you know, outside the top 100 in the world, you know, not, uh, not two, three, four months ago. And again, like I said, he didn't play in any majors this year. <laughs> These are the biggest events on the PGA Tour that reward the guys who are the best on the tour. And he was not even a non-factor. He was sitting at home. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a very fascinating scenario that we as golf fans have found ourselves in to kind of root for someone like this. Obviously, Zach Johnson, the American Ryder Cup captain, like I said a few minutes ago, he's found himself in, a, uh, in an interesting situation as well because of Lucas Glover. Mm. And even... You know, I'm trying to think about anyone on the LPGA Tour who has had, you know, a heater, uh, a heater like this this year, and, and I can't do it. Even Lilia Vu, who, who won the Women's British this past weekend, that was her second major championship title of the season <laughs> wow. and third win of the season. But um, she played, and this is by her own admission, she played like absolute garbage in the middle of the summer. Like she played really, really good at the beginning of the year. Then she missed, I think it was five of seven cuts through the middle part of the season, including at the U.S. Women's Open, where she was like, I played so bad. I didn't think I was ever going to win again. But we're talking about two chunks of a year for someone like her versus Lucas Glover, who has seemingly come out of nowhere um, to totally kind of flip the entire uh, PGA Tour season script on its head. Wanted to ask you about Brooke Henderson as well, just as we kind of shift to the LPGA. Uh, you mentioned the CP Women's Open in Vancouver out in a couple weekends here. They just had their fifth and final major on the tour as uh, it was the Open out of the old courts there. Brooke Henderson did just miss the cut. She's missed the cut in three of her last four. Her one win came in the first tournament of the year, but she was also the runner-up at the Evian, which was the fourth major just a couple weeks back. How do you look at Brooke Henderson's season? Yeah, uh, it's kind of weird. It's been yeah. kind of a weird year for for Brooke Henderson. Um, you know, I think the this it, it's hard to say that you need to zoom out and think like, oh man, what like what is wrong? Because again, like you said, she won she won at the beginning of the season, first event of the year, winning as Canadian of all time, rewriting the record books. You know, you can kind of go on and on and on when you do zoom out. When when you zoom into you know kind of this year in particular, you know, obviously 
Um, she is only 25, you know, golf's hard. You, you're going to have these ebbs and flows and stuff like that, but you can really kind of point to, to one particular thing that, um, that isn't working well for Brooke Henderson this year. And that's her, that's her iron game. That is her kind of her ball striking. Her, her driving is, is fine. Her driving accuracy has never been you know totally spectacular, but it's fine. Her putting has actually improved this year uh, as compared to years past but greens and regulation, that, that percentage, that ball striking percentage, you know, she has been an absolute stalwart in the top five in that stat for almost a decade. This year, she's up at 34, 35, something like that uh, on the season. And, and, you know, if it was two, three months ago, you kind of could have chalked that up to, well, okay, she's kind of getting adjusted maybe to a few things or, you know, she's going to figure it out. She's going to figure it out. But, you know, it's almost the end of August. So the body of work for the season as a whole has shown that, yeah, she's, she's struggling with her ball striking this year. Um, could you nail that down to anything in particular? You know, the, the new clubs obviously is one thing, but of course she, she, she came out of the, uh, the break with the first event with the new clubs. Uh, and she won. So, you know, again, it, it may not be that. It might just be one of those things where, um, you know, the, the 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 ebbs and the flows for golf is kind of ebbing, I guess, right now versus flowing. <laughs> um, and she's going to try to try to keep working on that. You know, the thing is, though, we might be having a different conversation in two weeks. Say she wins in Canada, her second win in the, of the year, and it's a Canadian win. All of a sudden, people are like, well, she figured it out. Life goes on. So anyway, specifically, it's the ball striking. It just hasn't been the same this year as in years past. Hopefully she can get back to the flowing rather than the ebbing. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Adam. Really appreciate the chat today, man. Enjoy the week. No worries. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Adam. Adam Stanley, Sportsnet, Mm -hmm. golf analyst. Mm -hmm. Uh, Had a note to Vancouver for the CP Women's Open. Shaughnessy uh, Country Club next week. Wouldn't come... uh, Happy Gilmer was filmed there. Wouldn't come here to the Shaw Charity, unfortunately. Couldn't get out. How many years in a row is that? (laughs) Hey, now that Rogers and Shaw merger... Yeah, Shot Cherry Classic. Yeah. Is it going to be on Sportsnet moving forward? Could we see that? Maybe. That would be neat. Maybe. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what the Canadian coverage is. I don't yeah, know. Because, I mean, we... The other guys do most of the The job. American stuff. Yeah, the American stuff that takes over and puts their little subliminal score bug up anyways, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, good chat with Adam. Always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, join us down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winners. You can find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or pick up a delivery at 403-248-3344. we got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, podcast is live of Hour 2. Podcast Hour 3 is going to be up shortly. Google, Spotify, Amazon. Go like, subscribe, give us a rating. We'll really appreciate that. Um, but we got some more text. Uh, where were you moments? Because after we gave away the really good prize earlier, uh, we have another really good prize to give mm-hmm, away now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I figured, why don't we just keep this one going? Because we got more great Texans. So Texan McTexter's in. What do you got for us? Wayne in Woodbine. The 2004 Cuban Pesos Finals Game 7. I had to go to work at Sport Chechenok. Since I had already missed so much time and was on the verge of getting fired, had to listen to the game over the radio on the store speakers and then just walked out when the Flames lost and was let go shortly after. What? what? Wait. wait, wait. Cubs and pesos? Cuban peso? What? What was that? I I don't know what text he did, but it was the 2004 Cup Finals Game 7. Oh, Oh. Cup Finals. Cuban pesos? (laughs) 
The 2004 Cuban pesos. I was like, what is this, a soccer reference? <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to get this at all. I like that he just walked out of the store after listening to it on the radio in like, the store. Done. I was like, I, well, I don't need to work here anymore. My hockey team lost in the finals. I'm done with this. No, I think he finishes shift when the Flames lost and then he got he was fired, fired after, that. after that. Like for an unrelated incident, you think? Probably. Oh. Or the lack why, of showing Why would he bring shift. it in? I don't know. I think Texty McTexterson really sewered Wayne here. <laughs> Sorry, Wayne. Sorry, Wayne. I'm going to blame the robot. All right, another text. Tim and Dalhousie. Blue Jays' first World Series win in my fitness club in Japan, watching on a 13 TV, and me jumping up and down when we won and all of the Japanese people looking at me like I was crazy. That's incredible. Which World Series was that? It was 92. 92? Yeah. In a fitness club in Japan. That feels like another one where you'd have to be like, uh, can I get that on the TV? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. It, you guys like, like baseball I, here? Eh? You guys like baseball, right? <laughs> I, actually, that point being, it, maybe it was already on. It could have been somewhere. But early 90s, I don't think baseball had taken cra the craziness off in Japan Like, yet. okay, a World Series game, I imagine it starts at, what, 6 o'clock Eastern? That's yeah. usually... Oh, no, 8 Eastern. 8 or 9 Eastern. Okay. So let's go 8 p.m. Eastern to Japan time. That'd be like 9 a.m. Yeah. A little bit of a, a sweat, sweat before work. Yeah, I get you. I feel you. Okay. What was the name on that one? That was Tim. I like that one, Tim. All right, next one. Mike from Copperfield, I was at Northlands Coliseum when Steve Smith scored his on his own net. Never been so happy was one of the greatest sports <laughs> moments of my life. Got to be in attendance, though, which is kind of cool. I see the thing here is and if that you're a Flames fan, I like better. when you're in a random place, like a fitness club in Japan. Yeah. All right, next. Chris and Cochran, two tough games I witnessed as a Packer fan live. The Fail Mary game, I was sitting in the Hawks nest. So it happened right in front of my face. Also, the, the 2009 wild card game vs. the Cards, 51 to 45 OT loss. Yeah, those are some. Would tough you like ones. to comment on those Packers fan, Patrick? Are you well, wearing a Packers hat today? I am I wearing a Packers are, hat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fail Mary, obviously, we'll skip that. That was the, during the refs, uh, the red, the, the the scrub the, refs, the strike, and then the next the week, scrub refs. The next week, they were all back. The replacement refs. Yeah. The next week, they were all back because they're in a. We can't have this happen. Monday yeah. night football. <laughs> you know, MD Jennings totally <laughs> picked that ball off, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, 2009, that wildcard game, that was Aaron Rodgers' first playoff game as a Green Bay Packer, and it was uh, probably one of the greatest wildcard games in NFL history. Oh, both teams uh, going over 50 Cardinals points. And Cardinals and Packers, Kurt Warner going up and down the field, Aaron Rodgers going up and down the field, and then, would you believe it, the winning touchdown in overtime was scored off a defensive play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was sacked. He was actually hauled down by his face mask that wasn't called. He fumbles the ball, and Arizona runs it in. And they go off. That was the year after they uh, went to the Super Bowl, Arizona. Mm. So, yeah, so Arizona got through there. Uh, Green Bay doesn't play well in Arizona in the playoffs. They've lost twice there in overtime. Well, at least Arizona's not going to be in the playoffs anytime soon. No, I don't think so. Uh, good one, Chris. Next. Last one? Last one? Last one. Last one, okay. Sonny Garley in Calgary. Kahi Leonard game seven game winner against Philly. I was on a cruise heading to Jamaica drinking rum and smoking a cigar. That one, actually, I wasn't at home watching the Kawhi Leonard shot. I was actually getting ready to play a ball hockey game, 
and uh, there's a bunch of people around a phone, and I just hear this giant scream in the corner. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I flip it up there, and there's like Kawhi just getting hugged by the bench. And so, yeah. So that was where I was. I didn't even watch that game. I was getting ready for hockey. I think that I hosted a little party for that game mm. in particular. It was a Sunday. It was yes. a Sunday eve. Well, yeah. Late afternoon. Yeah, hosted a little shindig in uh, in our uh, little party room in our apartment building there. Yeah. And had a handful of people over to watch it. That was a good spring. Yep. Um, but, you know, cruise, the rum, the cigar. Okay, fine. You watched it in a better place. Was that Sonny? Was that who that was? Yes. Okay. Well, I've <laughs> I've narrowed it down to two guys. Ooh. This time, Azam gets to go first because I made him pick last last time. Do you want Tim, who was in the fitness club in Japan, or Kawhi's shot while he was on the cruise? Tim in Japan. Tim in Japan. GVP? Uh, I'm going to put Patrick on the spot yeah, here this time. I, I know so. you Shocker. You, you coward. <laughs> so, hear, so it's on Patrick. So. I hear the Jays are big in Japan. Okay. That'll be Tim. Congratulations. Watching the 92 World Series victory in a fitness club in Japan. Uh, you're going to go see Gran Turismo. We Hopefully some, not in a fitness club. We got some movie. We got some We got some popcorn. We got some drinks for mm-hmm. you. The whole nine yards. Uh, enjoy them, man. Apparently, it's a great film. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, tomorrow is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Do we have anything planned for the show? Uh, Josh Sanderson, the new head coach of the Calgary yes. Roughnecks, uh, will join us at 8.30. Excellent And news. maybe, maybe we will have somebody special at 7.30. <gasps> he might be playing Shot golf. Classic he might be playing some golf this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, do we have any giveaways? More Gran Turismo. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Uh, keep it locked. Big Show Plus is up next. You boys uh, probably going to replay some stuff. We got Jay's Talk Plus coming up at 10 o'clock. Sportsnet today is at 1. Flames Talk. Patty Steinberg's back from his Europe trip. That'll be at 3. And uh, yeah, that'll be pretty much the day. Yeah. Enjoy it, friends. Bye bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.